As Tony uh, introduced me, my name is Mike Vernon, and we're in the middle of, of an elder sermon series called Summer in the Psalms. Uh, Tony spoke earlier in the first part of this series. We heard from Pastor Ryan. We heard from our elder nominee, Paul Roberts. And uh, Tony preached again last week. Today, I'm going to preach from Psalm 101. And uh, if you remember, Tony began this series with two introductory messages, and he began with an overview of the Psalms. On the very first Sunday, he preached a message on Psalm 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And Tony titled that message, Why Delight in God's Word? You know, I've pondered that message for several weeks now, and there was one phrase in that message that has just resonated me in a way that uh, I didn't expect. I have not been able to shake it. Personally, I hope I never do. And I hope right now you know exactly what I'm talking about. Tony, in his usual persuasive, animated way, said, I want to be a tree. <laughs> not bad, huh? <laughs> The phrase has echoed in my ears and has become a prayer of mine. You know, that metaphor, that imagery of Christians being a tree uh, planted by steel waters has had a huge influence over my life in the last few, oh, few weeks. And I agree with Tony. I want to be a tree. And if for some reason you don't remember that message or maybe you were serving in another area of harvest, or maybe you were on, like Shelly and I and were on vacation last week and missed that message, I encourage you to return back and listen to that sermon. Listen to it once again. You know, we were appropriately encouraged and even admonished to make the Word of God a priority in our daily lives. Also, in Tony's introduction of Psalms, we learned that the book of Psalms was divided into five books. Today, like I said, we're on Psalm 101. Uh, this psalm comes from book four. This is the only psalm in book four that's written by David. This morning, it is my prayers, we take a close look at this psalm that you'll be encouraged, as I have, to live lives of integrity. Psalm 101 is a kind of a different kind of psalm. It's unique in that it's a declaration. It's a pledge of obedience. One could even call it an oath to do the things God has commanded us to do in his word. To me, this is what a tree planted by still waters should look like. If you want to be a tree, then you will desire to make this declaration of oath before God. Commentators have called Psalm 101 a king's psalm. In this psalm, King David expresses his commitment to build a godly kingdom within his palace as well as his home. Some commentators speculate that this psalm was most likely written at the beginning of David's reign. His servant is a pledge that he would guard his home and country from becoming overrun by hostile intruders that would steal away the hearts of his children and family and subjects. As we study and apply the psalm, there's much to learn from David's commitment. Actually, we do not know uh, when David wrote this song, whether it was early in his life before becoming king or 
when he was partly acknowledged as king or later as King David. Well, we do know that this psalm has a tone of authority, which indicates to me that David was already invested in kingly functions. It expresses his solemn purpose. Some old writers call this the householder psalm. In the 17th century and maybe earlier, it was customary among devout people to have a sermon preached at a setting of a new family or occupation of a new home. Old books gives accounts of these speeches, and some of them accounts is of Psalm 101. Personally, I believe uh, we've kind of gotten away from those types of use of Scripture. You know, I was just thinking how impactful it would be if after purchasing a new home, have, maybe have your small group over, praying together, making a promise before God to use his home in a way prescribed in Psalm 101. Now, I must qualify that I don't think it's wrong if you don't, uh, nor do I think that it has to be a new event, you know, like buying a house to warrant any type of promise before God. Shelley and I commit each day before God in prayer. It's a great way to pray together and acknowledge that God is in control and submit to his authority. A good king should be like a good father, a head of, a fa of the, ha the family in his house, and we have here the principles of which David would rule his nation. And we see the same principles that can be and should be applied in our lives and homes. This is a vow of King David, which is probably at a religious ceremony. It is likely King David would recite this vow or annually and promise to walk in the paths of the Lord. And it is even possible that it would have been part of a a reoccurring annual event. And in that case, that would be of the vow of the king who enters anew into a covenant which the Lord, uh, he has been sanctioned into and accepted as ruler of his people. Psalm 101 declares a commitment to live with integrity and maintain integrity in the community. And as we get into the psalm, you will see that the writer is, is someone of power. And it is needed of someone who wishes to come into the presence of God. It also indicates a commitment to meeting the expectations of the community's prayer for the leader. The psalm states, if you oppose God's way, you'll be in the crosshairs of the kings, so to speak. You'll be confronted about wrongdoing. The psalm warns people who are involved in practices that do harm to others. The Church of England, uh, a book called A Book of Common Prayer, prescribes its use as an anniversary of, of a king's accession. Here in America, we hear the State of the Union Address, which is given annually. And this address, which is required by our president to give a picture of the things to expect, such as foreign affairs, budget, etc. As we read this psalm together this morning, I think you will agree that if our leaders would commit to these words for a way to lead our country, we would be a healthier nation. As we read, imagine what it would be like to hear these words come from your president. I also want you to reflect your own rule. Moms and dads, think about the rule in your home. Are these words consistent with your home? 
I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles now, if you would. Let's turn to Psalm 101. If you do, don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. And let's just stand together. I will read. I'll ask you to follow along as we read Psalm 101. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not cling, it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Let us pray. Wow, God, these are harsh words, tough. I just pray that uh, you will help us this morning as we apply your scripture to our lives. You've promised that all scripture is worthy and good and profitable for our teaching. God, help us to take these, your words, and apply them to our lives. God, help me now as I, I work through this message that you'll just help me to um, articulate these words in a way that um, will be heard and, and uh, understood. God, keep me from saying anything that is false. Holy Spirit, just use me now in a way that uh, only you can. And it's Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you read Psalm 101, you see the writer moving in thought. The author seems to be thoroughly at home with these words and authority. The psalm represents the ideals that are treasured and the hearts of the Judeans as to what a king ought to be. The psalm gives the spirit and temper of his rule. The king's vow reveals how he will proceed in the rule of his people, and it states the ideals of the king's heart. As you read the psalm, you see the phrase, I will. It's used 10 times in Psalm 101. The word will is used 11 times. In verse 2, you see the phrase, when will. And we'll talk about that just a in a moment, a little more, I've outlined this psalm into two parts. The first being the attitude of a person living a life of integrity. The second being the actions of a person living a life of integrity. Living a life of integrity, and we're talking about the importance of Christian integrity. Our moral compass, which we follow, is God. Similarly to the state of Union address in the, in the Psalms, we have a state of union by the king. 
His concern, however, is not about domestic policy or budget or foreign relations. His concern is for moral character of the nation. Since the king is called to uphold his law and execute justice, his readiness to do, the, do this must be known. God's blessing upon Israel is contingent upon his moral obedience. If you're like me, you appreciate people who live honestly. And one of the problems we encounter as Christians, even in the church, is the idea that we live dishonestly. Um, you've all heard Christians as being hypocrites, and the people who go to church are hypocrites. We talk about a problem we might have, but in reality, there's something probably completely different underneath that is the problem. You know, why do we do that? Because deep down inside, we are weak and we fear what other people might think or going to say. We are not self-secure. We worry about other people's expectations. And the way to overcome these feelings is to be true to yourself. And that's what integrity is all about. If you look at the definition of the word integrity, integrity it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. So how can I live a life of integrity? How can I, be, how can I live honestly with other people so that people will trust me? Let me share with you from this psalm ingredients for personal integrity. First of all, in, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the attitudes of living a life integrity are found in verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 reads, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. Now, David's not talking about writing a new song. However, that could be possible. He has written many. David is talking about what's inside. What do I think about? What do I give praise? To whom do I acknowledge my very existence? You know, if you're like me, from time to time, you'll hear a song on Sunday morning, and the lyrics and the melody of that song just ring through my soul many days afterwards into the week. This is kind of what David is talking about. It's talking about what's inside of him, his thoughts, his moral compass to serve God. Because that is where his heart is. The decisions he will make will be guided by those beliefs and convictions that come from inside. This is what I believe. It's not merely my duty, but my conviction. Look at verse 2. He says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. When we are unjustly accused or falsely spoken about, what is the first response? What is the moral compass that guides us through those events of life? When someone treats us wrong, driving down the road or in a checkout lane, or maybe it was a neighbor or a friend borrowing something that didn't return it, you fill in the blank. The situation can be many different things, but what is our moral compass? David says he's focusing on love and justice, and to God he will give praise. David says he ponders the way of the blameless. Another translation puts it this way. I'll be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come help me? My decisions, I will carefully consider what is right and just. The phrase, when will you come to me, the exact meaning, I confess, I don't know. However, I will give you my best explanation from my studies. 
Perhaps it would be best rendered when you do come to me. That is, when you come to me and visit me and my dwelling, thou shalt find that these principles which regulate and govern me in my house, the idea is that God would come to visit his habitation and inspect his conduct. And whatever this, or whenever this should occur, how often it might be, or how unexpectedly it might come, he should always find these principles governing him and his family. This is consistent with a life or a woman of whose moral compass in life is the serving God. A man should so live that God is welcome in his dwelling at all time. Are you inspection ready? You know, I, uh, I worked in a food manufacturing uh, place for several years. I spent 29 years at the same place. Uh, if you can imagine food manufacturing, the many regulations and requirements that was imposed upon us. And actually, if you think about it, it's not a whole lot different from probably from food or motor graders. There's still a lot of regulations, right? You still have to follow rules and you need to be inspection ready at all times. In our case, we didn't know when the health department was going to come or would show up or the rabbi or even our internal people, um, the military would come. Uh, we had to be compliant with the Department of Defense. And we had a thing called SQF, Safe Quality Foods. And they would come in and do inspections, and it was two and three days of rigorous, uh, just going through our, our paperwork and going through our plant. And we had to maintain inspection readiness all of the time. And it was hard work. We had to be vigilant. Um, you have to be vigilant to make sure things are in place, uh, to keep your employees focused on quality, on safety, on efficiencies. And you have to be disciplined to maintain these certain standards. You can't just come in one day and think, oh, it won't matter today. We'll just, you know, if you do that, you'll fail. The same is true in your Christian walk. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it becomes, these principles should be found to regulate our conduct. So, if you're taking notes, I would suggest to you that something like this for our attitudes for personal integrity, I will have an attitude of love, justice, and living blameless life at all times. In verse 3 and 4, David continues to focus on the way we, that we live and he live, live and rule. But you see a shift in the way he speaks. The verse indicates less of that internal and more of actions. The actions are a result of what David is focusing on internally. I will not set my eyes before anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. I will not set my eyes on anything that is worthless. And you might even suggest, is that even possible? With technology the way it is, you know, it's scary to consider that you have immediate access to the vilest, most corrupt garbage our culture, has, our culture has known. 
We're only a click away from filth and evil. And I'm convinced that no one should have that freedom. But that's the culture we live in. What disciplines and safeguards are you using in your life? You know, I want men in my life who will challenge me, asking me tough questions, hard questions. I want my wife to have the freedom to check up on me anytime she wants. And how are you doing with that? I once had an accountability party years ago that we would meet once a month and we would ask each other some very hard questions. As a young boy, I was exposed to pornography early in life and I had confessed, confessed this to this, my partner and he had had similar struggles. And so we would agree that it would be good to check up on each other from time to time. The last question we asked each other was, did you just lie to me? What do you spend your time on? David said he will not set his eyes on anything worthless. You know, I'm going to resist getting on my soapbox and expound on what I think is worthless. If you know anything of me, you know I dislike social media. However, I recently have found uses that I will engage in. For instance, social media allows me to connect with friends from other parts of the world, from Malaysia and Cameroon. Social media has proven to be a good means to sell and purchase things that you wouldn't find otherwise. Social media has proven to be a good means to advertise. And I agree that social media allows us ways to connect with family and friends with videos and pictures. Otherwise, we'll miss out on. But I will say that uh, much of what I see on social media is not these things. David said, I will not set my eyes on anything that is worthless, not wasting my time on things that have no value. I will focus on things that bring value. You'll have to judge in your own life in regards to these words. I cannot. But I believe these, these verses speak more of how I live my life publicly compared to verses 1 and 2 speak of how we live our lives privately. I suggest that we think about living how we live our lives publicly and consider less of, more of ourselves and more of others. David says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. David is speaking of someone whose public commitments do not line up with public actions. David says, I hate that. We hate it as well. You know, we see it commonplace in our culture today. Many leaders who have said things to get your attention, your vote, and then make decisions that do not line up with those previous words. I agree with David. Hate is the appropriate response. David said, it will not cling to me. You know, actually with my accountability partner, I later found out, found out that when I'd asked him that he had lied to me, that he actually had. And he was still involved with pornography. So we no longer could have a meaningful accountability. I would say that there were some sincere acts and discussions of forgiveness, and we remain friends today, but 
for us to remain as accountability partners, it would not prove to have any value for me. So, let's do another recap. Attitudes of living a life of integrity, love, justice, living a blameless life at all times, things that are worthless, I will not gauge in or will not influence me, or I will allow people that say one thing and do another not have influence on me or my family. I will stay away from evil, of the, my evil of the day. Integrity requires that I take time to overcome sins that are controlling me. This includes not paying attention to worthless things and not allowing sin to rule my life. Integrity requires a heart that stays true to that moral compass. My heart can turn directions. It can be tempted. It can be deceived. The heart has to stay pure, not deviate. A devious heart practicing evil are opposite of integrity. You know, we know what devious and evil are. It's anything that is not from God or directed by God. And we, can, we know what it looks like. I mean, we have the Ten Commandments to, to follow us. And in the New Testament, we see that uh, God commands us to love God and to love others. Now, as we continue on through this, this psalm, we see a movement in the way, the way David writes. He's moving from these things that are internal, our attitudes of how we live privately, and now we see actions of how we should live publicly in verses 5 through 8. What does that look like? We have integrity when, verse 5, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Another way to read verse 5 would sound like this. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. You know, when you're at work or just... Uh, with uh, friends and you hear someone speaking against someone else, what is your response? Proverbs eleven twelve says, it is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. James 4, 11 and 12 says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Obviously, we're not in a position to destroy anyone. And if you read the text in the literal sense by King David, but we do not have to tolerate it, or we do not have to participate in it. And I believe that is what's truly being taught here. You know, I've heard of firsthand and know of situations where people who have stood up against wrong behavior in workplace have suffered loss of, of uh, promotion and even loss of jobs. And I'm not saying to you, you're in sin if you do not stand up against a boss that is speaking evil against someone. If you have a boss or an employer who is full of himself and arrogant and proud, they're probably not going to listen to you anyway. You may have to choose your words carefully. 
And I will not judge you for not jeopardizing your job that supports your family. But I am telling you that if you do not, that you should not let these people have influence in your life. And you do not need to participate. And I am saying, when you are given opportunities to influence, to lead others, that if you are doing these things, you are in sin. Sometimes these are the hard choices that we have to make. It is easy just to go along with the crowd, to allow yourself to give it to gossip and slander. When you're around people that do that, if at all possible, correct them to stop. But whatever the circumstance, do not allow yourself to become involved in this behavior. Psalm 16, 28, a dishonest man spreads strife. A whisper separates close friends. Proverbs 20, 19, whoever goes about slandering evil secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. You can destroy the, you can do it, destroy the gossip by stopping the slander. The last part of verse 5 reads, whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I have to admit, the first thing that came to my mind was selfies. <laughs> Do I need to say any more? You know, I get taking a picture with your friends, your family, while visiting someplace different occasionally is good. I've been a part of that and agree that it is appropriate. I'm not talking about that. Uh, but you and I know that there's a lot of people out there that take a lot of selfies and be cautious with this kind of behavior. It does reveal what's inside the heart. Believe it or not, there are studies about people who are obsessed with selfies and the results are not edifying and even condemning of unhealthy behavior. And there are other ways that a haughty and arrogant heart reveals itself when you have conversations with people who talk about themselves nonstop, David says, I will not endure it. Do not allow these people to have influence on you or your family. You know, if you're an employer and you have people like this in your employment, you should be cautious and careful. Don't let them have influence on you and your other workers. Verse 6, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a way that is blameless shall minister to me. Bad company corrupts good character. At the same time, good people help other good people. One of the ways to live a life of integrity is show God's love to the company you keep. Who are your friends? Can you trust them? Would you let them have full reign in your home with your kids or your grandkids? Would other people trust you because of the friends you keep? You know, these are great questions to ask ourselves. You know, I remember when Heather was about junior high age, friends of ours came and asked if they could train Heather to babysit their kids. And they spent time with Heather, showing her what to do, what to expect, 
and building that relationship. Heather worked hard, and she built trust to care for the children of the family. Now, this is a great picture of the intentionality of making sure people that we allow to have influence in our lives of children and our children's lives, and that these people are faithful and blameless. You know, you might think that it, it takes a lot of time to train, and it's not worth it. And I would say it takes more time to untrain bad influences and wrong behavior. And it takes harder work. And that's what I believe King David is saying, that I will only allow people that have proven themselves to be faithful to have influence on me and my family. I will look favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me minister to me once again I ask who are your friends can you trust them would you let them have full reign in your home with your kids or your grandkids would other people trust you because of the friends you keep verse 7 says no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house no one who utters lies shall live before my eyes the Bible speaks a lot about lying. Psalm 34, 13, keep your tongue from evil and keep your speaking, keep from speaking deceit. Luke 16, 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Behold, you delight in truth, Psalm 51, 6, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. James 5, 12, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Proverbs 12, verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but a, for a moment. Ephesians 4, 24, 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Zechariah 8, 16, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another, render in your gates judgments that are true, and make for peace. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I mean, we could go on and on. I believe I could find a hundred verses in the Bible, throughout the Bible, to speak against lying. Real friends do not lie to one another. You know, we believe and teach here at Harvest that we need this community of believers to invest in each other, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. You can't do this Christian walk alone. We should be loving one another. We should serve one another. We should submit to one another. We should encourage one another. We should be devoted to one another. I'm sure you've all heard that before, right? Uncommon community. David puts it this way. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. Then lastly, verse 8, morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land. 
cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. This verse does not say that we need to wake up every morning to kill all the evil people around me. I don't get up with that desire to hurt others. But what it does mean is that I have to make a concerted, concerted effort every day. Not just once and we are done. This is a daily task. It's a battle that we're engaged in. We decide not to let negative, sinful people affect me. I wake up every day and I choose who am I going to influence and who am I going to let influence my life and the lives of my family. So, let's do another recap. Our attitudes, as we stated in the very beginning, living a life of integrity, we're talking about the importance of Christian integrity, our moral compass, which we follow as God. They include living a life of integrity that shows steadfast love and justice. Love and justice is part of our very being. It's what we think and think about and work for. It is part of our innermost being. I will conduct myself in a way that is blameless at all time. I live this way and I'm ready for inspection at any time. Worthless behavior I will not have a part of. I will not allow worthless things to have influence over me. I will do what I say I will do. I will be consistent living this life of integrity, and I will be known as a person of integrity. And my attitudes will be reflected by my, my uh, life of integrity uh, with my actions. I will not tolerate people speaking evil against others. I will not allow arrogant, prideful people to have influence in my life and my family. I will be wise in choosing my friends. I will be diligent to these attitudes and actions every day. You know, most of you I know, and I know that these attitudes and actions are already a part of your Christian walk. And I know, also know that it is hard work to remain faithful to these ingredients of living a life of integrity. It's easy to think wrongly of people. It's easy to speak out of frustration or even anger towards someone. It's easy to go along with others and not confront. And I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come and prepare for the final song. But as they're coming, I, I just want to let you all know something about me. Just this last week, I uh, delivered some ingredients to a, a company and... Uh, the man on the dock went on and on about this and that. Nothing healthy, nothing respectful towards others. Uh, nothing was mentioned. You know, I had no clue what he was talking about or who he was talking about. But, you know, I should have changed the conversation. I should have encouraged the conversation to be something other than idle babble. All I wanted to do was get out of there. I wanted to get unloaded and leave. So I did not say anything. I actually acted like I was listening. I acted like I cared. 
Shame on me. Here, I am telling you not to live this way, and I failed. It is hard. However, this is what our Bible, the Word of God, tells us to do. We need each other. We need to be praying for one another. We should be encouraging one another in our daily walk. I want to be a tree. Oh, how I want to be a tree. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these words. I thank you how you've ministered to me through this study. I thank you that you continue to teaching me from your word. God, I pray that these words have meant something to these folks in our congregation and that they could take these principles and apply them to their own lives. God, may we harvest decatur, desire to be trees planted by still waters, to be known of men and women of integrity. And it's in Christ's name we pray.